Welcome to Extra Innings, the Phillies podcast from the Philadelphia Inquirer. I'm Scott Lauber. I'm Bob Brookover. And I'm Matt Breen. Guys, we're, uh, it's Thursday. The Phillies are off today and we are officially 10 days away from the end of spring training from the Phillies breaking camp, packing up, coming north. And two weeks from today, the season will start at Citizens Bank Park against the Braves on April 1st. 305. Don't be late. And uh, lots to still do for the Phillies in the next 10 days. There's the uh, there's the issue of filling out their bullpen and deciding who stays and who's got to make the cut. Um, there's the issue of some injuries that are beginning to pile up. But the storyline that has dominated, I think, spring training so far, and it will continue to dominate in the next 10 days, is the center field uh competition, the center field race, it's still pretty wide open. Uh, I don't think anyone's run away with it. Odubel Herrera might be the front runner based on the way he's played and the way the others have played. Um, Roman Quinn, Scott Kingery still in the mix. Um, I think we talked about this last week. I mean, let's see, can, who wants to kind of handicap it and, and what are we going to see for the next 10 days? I think you're right to say Odubel is the favorite right now, but I don't think he's like running away with it. So it's, it's still almost wide open. I think whoever has the best 10 days is going to be the starting, starting center fielder on opening day. And my prediction would be just based on what we've seen from the last couple of weeks that Odubel has the best 10 ways, 10, 10 days. And he's starting on April 1st in center field. I, I think Odubel has, uh, Earned the distinction of being at the top of the socially distance um, leaderboard in the clubhouse. Um, so, or is it on top of the leaderboard in the socially distance clubhouse? I think that's the best way to say it. Um, so, but the, the question is, how much do the Phillies? You know, do, do we still think the Phillies uh, are reluctant to open the season with Odubel Herrera? On their roster, I think is if, when you talk about a doable, that question still looms for them. Um, you know, the one thing Joe Girardi mentions a lot when he talks about a doable is how often he's had to face left-handed pitching this spring. Um, actually, haven't and there's no place to you, you really have to go back and look to see how many at bats there were because they don't really offer that information online in spring training. Um, but, I looked it up last night. Did Did you really? It's almost – he's faced a good amount of left-handed pitching, but it's almost evened out where it's not – Right, but that's a lot. He, to, to, yeah, to be he, he, he has, like, one of the leading – he almost leads in the left-handed at-bats, but it's not totally lopsided. It's not a crazy number. Right, but but for, you know, considering how many more righties there are than lefties, that's, that's significant. Um, sure. You know, so – and I think Odubel has handled himself well in those at-bats. You know, the, the, the bigger question is, other than Mickey Moniak, has anybody of the other two of Roman or Kingery stood out? And the answer is no. Um, and I, you know, I'm still reluctant to think that Mickey Moniak's gonna, gonna win this job. I think their, their feeling is he's gotta, he's gotta get some more AAA bats and earn his way to the big leagues. I feel like they're telling us that too without, you know, he hardly starts. He comes off the bench late in games. It's, you know, you're waiting for him to 
he looks good late in games, but he never put it, he doesn't get a start the next day. As Joe put it, read the tea leaves. So yeah. read the tea leaves. Right. Yeah. I mean, look, I don't know. Um, I don't know how Philly's personnel feel about putting Odubel Herrera on the team on opening day. I don't know if they went into this with a with a fate, you know, with a favorite candidate or or what. I do know this that they wanted to see a whole lot more than they had seen so far in spring training from Scott Kingery because he was either going to win the center field job outright or he was going to be that guy who bounces around and plays a few different positions but still plays five days a week um, or more. And, you know, he's he's like three for 27 or three for 28, something like that in spring training. He's batting barely above 100. I know spring training numbers don't, don't really mean a whole lot, but, you know, you can't ignore them completely either. He's striking out a ton. And I had a chance to talk to him uh, the other day, and, you know, it's evident in listening to him, and I thought he was really, really honest in his self-assessment that he's trying to figure out his swing still. You know, his swing has gotten so messed up over the last three years. He went from as he said, he went from being a guy in 2016 in the low minors who was told you hit too many ground balls to, uh, you know, getting more of an uppercut in his swing and having a great 2017 and then falling in love with launch angle and and really getting messed up to the point where, you know, he strikes out in almost a third of his at-bats uh, since he's been in the big leagues. And now they're trying to get him to swing down again just to level it off. And some of the drills he's been going through each day with Joe Dillon, these are, you know, it's great, you know, it's, and, and Dillon says, look, it's going to take time. He keeps telling Kingery, like, we're not going to fix this in a day. And that would be fine for Kingery, except he's got a job to win. So Scott Kingery is kind of a mess right now. And I think that, you know, of all the, of all the things that have happened or have not happened in this center field race, sort of the, the issues that he's going through and trying to fix his swing are kind of alarming right now. You, you talk about three, three for 27, and it's only spring training, but when you combine that with the 159 he hit last year in the shortened season, and I don't even know what the number was, but the second half of, after a great start to 19 for him, he really tailed off in the second half of 2019. Now you put all those together, and yeah, it becomes a, a big problem. Yeah, I think it's probably the biggest disappointment in camp so far is just, just Scott Kingery, where on the first podcast we talked about, we probably talked about how he's going to win the center field job. We've seen him have great spring trainings, and now it's a, you know it's a strikeout every game, and that's you need these guys to make contact. If you're, you're you know they're just going to hit probably on the bottom of the order, simply just get on base, make some contact. Instead, him and Roman Quinn, you know, lead the team in strikeouts right now. Yeah, I mean, look, you guys saw more of Scott Kingery in the minor leagues uh, than I did. But, you know, a player who's his, you know, he's like 5'9", five, 5'10", five, right? I mean, he runs really well. You know, this was a guy who, you know, should be hitting line drives, should be getting on base. He shouldn't worry about the power. Like, he's got power in his swing, and he'll hit some home runs. But, you know, I don't know why anyone would ever look at Scott Kingery as a player and say, like, this is a guy who's got to start driving the ball out of the ballpark. No, 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 no. Scott Kingery is the kind of guy who's got to get on base, use his speed, make things happen. 
Um, if he's not, you know, he's never been a guy, right, who's walked a ton, but he's still a guy who could bat, like, even in the lower third of your order and make things happen that way. I don't know why anyone would ever look at him and think, like, this is a guy who's got to start launching the ball. Like, to me, that never should have happened. And, and you know, this was a guy who, you know, scouts used to say he's the next, you know, he looks like Dustin Pedroia. You know, he's a guy who's going to kind of be a pest and he's going to make things happen and he's going to play a great second base. And why would you change that? I just don't know how it got so far uh, off course for Scott Kingery. I can remember writing a column um, when he was promoted from double A to triple A, his, I think that was in 18 um, no, or 17, 17, 17, 17, 17. In 17. And the, the gist of the column was, well, you know, it, 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 he hit, I think, what did he hit? 18 home runs in Reading. Um, yes. Or, and he had 26 total that year. He had 18 in Reading and 26 yep. total. But he went up, and the gist of the column was, can this guy keep hitting home runs? You know, the, the thing about the Reading ballpark's always been those numbers, those home run numbers are always inflated because it's a big home run park. But he went to the AAA and he kept hitting home runs. Uh, in, in retrospect, you wonder if that was the best thing to ever happen to have him hit 26 home runs. But I, I think because last year was so bad, I think we forget that he hit 19 home runs in 2019, and many of them in the first half of the season when his swing was right where they needed it to be. Um, uh, you know, I don't know how you get it back there, but he needs to get back to, to that point where he, I think at that time he was just trying to drive the ball. And it seemed to me, and they were talking about this on the broadcast, uh, I think yesterday, about how compact his swing was then and how his swing's gotten long, um, which is obviously a, a byproduct of working on launch angle and those types of things. But, you know, he, I did see him play four or five times in the minor leagues and, this was a kid I, and then I, and then, and then I also watched his 2017, uh, or 2018 spring training and I thought, uh, this, if this isn't a can't miss kid, I, I, I don't know what is. And I guess I don't know what is. I, I was right with you, Bob, so. We're all, yeah, we're I mean, all, you know, I, you talk to him and you sort of feel bad. <laughs> God, I'm sorry, Scott. <laughs> You talk to him and you sort of feel bad for the guy because, like, he's he's honest about the fact that he tend he he'll watch video of of 2017 to sort of see like okay what was I doing then that was working so well and it's like he's watching a different player than he is now and you just like how did he become this sort of Frankenstein's monster of himself and and not and and sort of this this indistinguished indistinguishable person even to himself and he's gained weight and lost weight and you know it seems like there have been so many variations of Scott Kingery and now I think the question is like if the next 10 days go the way the last you know a few weeks have gone we're not talking about does he win the center field job we're talking about does he make the opening day roster he has options they can send him to the minor leagues and let him get his swing right down in Lehigh Valley at the alternate site you know, we can transition to our next topic, which is going to be injuries, and that is what might save him in the end, is that they, they're banged up a little bit. But, you know, would you consider sending Scott Kingery down to start the season? It's definitely not out of the question. 
especially like you said, if the ten, next ten days go the way that you know the previous start of spring training has went, then it might be hard to make a case for him on on the opening day roster. But but I think the injuries is going to you're going to need bench players. You're going to need somebody that's versatile that can you know play almost any position with. Especially if Brad Miller's not ready to go. I think a lot of it is going to depend on injuries if Scott Henry doesn't turn it around. I think the, the, the more likely scenario, even even taking injuries out of the equation, is that Scott Kingery opens the season on the roster. But if it continues, if we're we're still talking about uh, Scott Kingery's struggles on April 15th or April 25th, that the fact that he has options left is going to get him a ticket to the minor leagues. Or so you'll, the, you'll have Hazley right. coming back from the IL. Right. So you, you'll need right. to create a roster right. spot. So, I mean, that's a, that's a good scenario, like you brought up. Yeah, I think I think that's right, Bob. I mean, I I think you know, um, whereas the idea of sending him to the minor leagues, you know, in previous years when he has struggled has been almost inconceivable. I think, you know, you're getting to a point now where you're like, well. You know, is he is he an asset to you if he's on the roster if he's playing like that? And the versatility is not is not going to be enough to save him from now on. I think he's got to hit a little bit and uh, and figure it out. And there's there's certainly you know it, it might not be the worst thing in the world if it did happen to him uh, for him to happen. There there's certainly cases of guys go, being sent down and coming back and and having success. Uh, you know, Hector Neris a few years ago certainly comes to mind. Um, and I think Brett Myers years long time ago also, you know, so, you know, there, there are plenty of cases of guys going and finding themselves. And, and it may be just as simple as they go down to the minor leagues and, and playing at a level of competition where their confidence comes back. So. So let's go around the horn now and talk about some of those injuries uh, that, you know, it feels like the last week or so they've started to pile up a little bit more like, at the beginning of camp, you had J.C. Real Muto with the broken thumb, and would he be ready in time? And that would be something we would watch, and we're going to watch over the next 10 days. And then, you know, it was Adam Hazley going down and sort of bowing out of the center field race. And now you've got a bunch of smaller things that have begun to pile up. Brad Miller has an oblique. Matt Joyce has a hamstring. On the pitching side, Zach Eflin's back flared up the other day when he was throwing in the bullpen after his start. Spencer Howard's had back spasms. Uh... I think I, I maybe uh, D.D. Gregorius uh, got hit in the back of the head, and they're you know making sure that he doesn't have any concussion symptoms. So not what you want, right? With 10 days left in camp, to have to start talking about all these little injuries piling up and figuring out is this guy going to be ready? Is that guy going to be ready? Because they have less and less time. So what do you yeah. make of all of it? I think Zach Eflin is. If we're going to like weigh the importance of the injuries right now, it's the one that I would keep my eye on the closest is Zach Eflin just because of those guys. You look, like I, I think D.D. Gregorius is going to be okay. I think he'll be ready for opening day, not to downplay the severity of a concussion, but I don't, I don't know if he actually had a concussion or not. But Zach Eflin, that's the guy in, in that group that's going to, you know, really play an important role once the season starts. Plus, if Zach Eflin's not ready, Spencer Howard's not ready, so now Vince Velasquez is in the starting rotation, and you're po- possibly trying to trade Vince Velasquez this month. Now you can't do that because F1's not ready. So they really need F1 to be ready. He's had back issues in the past. He had back spasms last summer. He had back tightness the year before. Missed um, a couple weeks with that. 
So it, it's, we're going to find out this weekend how serious the back is and how far away it is. But I think, you know, how important that guy is to the, to the starting rotation, that's the one I'm, you know, keeping the eye on the closest. I, I would I would agree that Zach's really, really important because he's just, he, also because he's just looked so good in spring training. Uh, so, you're, you know, you allow yourself to say, well, maybe we have three guys at the top of the rotation in a, in a division where three three good guys at the top of the rotation is vital. Uh, to not have that uh, would, would be devastating to the Phillies right now, especially, you know, it was hard not to be excited both watching and listening to, to Zach Upland talk about his, the way where he's come from as a pitcher to, to be excited about to see what he could do going into the season. Um, you know, he's always bounced back pretty quickly from these back things in the past. Uh, but you, you worry that just anything like that throws him off mechanically or any way at all, you know, and he's not the same guy. Um, so, yeah, I, I would agree that he's a really important one. Spencer Howard is, you know, obviously he's also looked good in spring training. Uh, you want him to be fine because he's one of your future hopefully future rotation guys they're hoping for. Um, but if, if he's not okay, you can at least go forward without him right now. Um, and, and I would also argue that Brad Miller, because it's an oblique and they can linger, and and they, you know, they've really emphasized rebuilding this bench and having a stronger bench. To not have him for any significant amount of time out of the gate would, would also be, would also hurt a lot. Yeah, I think Miller's the sneaky one, the, the sneaky important one, because I think he's going to play a lot. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to be an important guy off the bench, and I think he's going to spell some guys. You know, he might play some left field when you need Andrew McCutcheon to, when he needs a day. And, you know, that's a guy I think that you want to you want to make sure you keep healthy because I think he's going to make you a better team um, because of what he can do um, from the left side of the plate. So, you know, that's a sneaky one. That's one I've got my eye on. Um, and, you know, I agree. Eflin's the one, you know, 1A, 1B, 1C. And uh, you can't lose any of those three guys. Uh, that's how important they are. You can almost make the case that's the strength of the Phillies right there is their 1, 2, and 3 in their rotation. And, um, you know, it's a back problem. And we know that can be tricky. So, um you know, he's supposed to start game three of the season, too. So uh, that's that's definitely the one to watch, um, you know, as we kind of come down to the final 10 days here and see what kind of roster they can put together. Um, and, you know, you mentioned Vince Velasquez, right? Like, he's sort of the Al Pacino of this team, right? Just when you thought he might be out, they pull him back in. I mean, he's <laughs> he's <laughs> he's so important, I think, you know, in a weird way, because when anybody says, oh, that, you know, it's time to trade him. Time to move on from him. You, you got to realize what he is. I mean, he's your insurance policy, and you know pitchers are going to get hurt. They're going to go down. He 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 can slot right into your rotation. And I'm not telling you he's going to, you know, go out and be Jake, Jacob Degrom or anything. But you know, major league starter, he's a starter for a couple of weeks. Yeah. And uh, and and you know, ideally, you know, you're not paying four million dollars for that for, for a guy who does that, but they don't have a whole lot in AAA depth-wise, and I think he's important. I, I, you know, we'll 
this is like a tangent here, but I, I don't I don't think you trade him. I think you keep him around for just that reason. You put him in the bullpen, make him your long guy, and know that he's you're going to need him in your rotation at some point. As movie references go, Scott, I'm going to I'm going to put that at number two behind your Gutarski reference the other day in the in the news in the extra the newsletter. Of, what was that in relation to? The great point average. Uh, I don't remember yeah. what it was. I just know. You know what I think it was actually. You, you were asking that was what, what chance does somebody have of uh, being sent some sent to the minors? I think. I think it was what you percent chance does Kingery have of getting sent to the minors? And I said zero, zero point zero. And uh, I might have. And, and apparently, apparently, in a couple of days, the, the grade point average has gone up through Lutarski. <laughs> No longer yeah, zero. Which is John will be very happy to hear his three point average is going up. I know, I know. Bluto aged well. Look at that. Who thought? Um, so now we round third, and let's talk about rounding third here. Let's talk about the bullpen and a name that uh, a guy who's kind of been the story of camp, uh, Jose Alvarado. You know, every time he pitches, it's like, you know, you have to watch this guy and you have to check the radar gun readings because he's throwing 100 and he's throwing it, you know, and you don't know where the ball is going. I mean, we had a chance to hear from Jeff Mathis yesterday about what it's like to catch Jose Alvarado. How how impressed have you guys been with this guy, given that I think when they acquired him in that trade with Tampa back in December, we kind of dismissed it as sort of like, uh, that's just, you know, a back of the bullpen kind of move. Turns out he may end up being the closer before all is said and done. Yeah, and you don't even have to check the radar gun anymore. You you actually just you ex- expect that he's going to throw a hundred. It's like ho hum. I mean, he threw a hundred again. Like how, you know when does it stop being noteworthy that he's touching a hundred? Because he does it every outing, multiple times. It's, and I agree. I remember when they made the trade. It wasn't like. You know, wow, they, they got a guy that possibly could close games to start the season. They just, you know, they got a left-handed pitcher who hasn't done much lately. It's been uh, bothered by shoulder issues. You know, who is this guy? It's not, not you know, it's a non-consequential move. And here, he's, they have three candidates to close, Hector Neris, Archie Bradley, and Jose Alvarado. And I think you can make a case for all three of them that Neris is the incumbent. Bradley was the one they they signed for big money. And, Alvarado was the guy that's having the best camp. It's and we we talk a lot about fastball, but that curveball he threw the other day in Tampa, it was like I, I don't want to get too excited about it because it's spring training, but just watching it because you're gearing up for a fastball, just watching it, you're expecting him to pound fastballs. The hitter's pound is expecting fastballs, and here comes a full count curveball, and I'm just like, whoa! It almost like you know took you aback watching it, and if if you can do that. If you can throw a hundred and then also have a devastating rate like a twelve six curveball, it's just absolutely unreal. And so far, it's it's early. I'm not going to get too excited about him, but I would can very very highly consider him being the closer on opening day. With 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 people coming back into the ballpark, albeit at a small number to start the season, um, it, it reminds me of. You know, the, the thing that generates excitement in a ballpark is power, whether it be a long, long home run or also, and Scott, you'll remember I think this, I think, you know, Billy Wagner coming into games and what, what Citizens Bank Park was like as he hit 98, 99, 
let's see a hundred, let's see a hundred, and he'd hit a hundred, and the ballpark would go crazy. Uh, to have perhaps he'd throw ninety nine and get booed. There. What's that? He'd get well, booed if he threw ninety nine. <laughs> right, right. And then he got booed <laughs> after that when he went to the Mets. But anyway, that's a different story altogether. But to, to maybe have Jose Alvarado doing that in, in 2021, you know, with, with a smaller fan base, but eventually more people are going to be in there. The idea of that kind of power generated excitement in the ballpark is, is a cool thing to think about. Let me ask you this. Um, I asked Joe Girardi this question yesterday and, uh, I didn't realize until I went back and listened again that his, his answer um, was a little scattered. Um, you know, I, I asked if, given the way some relievers have thrown this spring, they would consider going with nine relievers instead of eight, which has kind of been his target number. And right off the bat, he said, no, you know, I, I'm still leaning toward eight. And then he made a comment about how, but we, you know, we really don't know how last year is going to affect pitchers, and we have to watch that. and which would lead you to believe that maybe they would maybe take an extra reliever. I mean, with well, Eflin being having no, a back issue and what he really was not saying, sure about he said they didn't want to he he thought if you take well you can take nine guys in the bullpen and still have five starters with the new with the right. rules in you know, because the rules aren't going to be – they're going to be less restricted because of COVID, as at least they were last year, and I believe it's the same this year. But I think he was answering the question as if you couldn't – if you if you took nine guys in the bullpen, you can only have four starters. Like, you, you can only have 13 okay. on the opening day roster, but I believe those rules are out the window right now. And you could have – like, you you had brought, you could you can have nine in the bullpen, and you can have five starters. You can have 14 pitchers. Yeah. So, he – the question – I think there is – wasn't answered because he, he the way he it would be at the expense right, of like, the bench player. Exactly, it wouldn't be at the expense of the starting pitcher. It would be. It would be. But I wonder whether, uh, in misunderstanding maybe my question or, or the rule, I wonder whether his answer um, maybe makes a better case for nine relievers than than anything else because, and especially if Eflin's a question and and you don't know what Howard if Howard's going to be ready with the back spasms and. Do you take an extra reliever knowing that maybe you're not going to get seven innings out of your starters right away? Um, you know, and again, I can't believe we're saying this, but they have enough relievers who are pitching well right now that they could carry nine in theory and, um, you know, maybe one less bench guy and, and, uh, and get away with it, at least at the beginning. I think you carry nine and, but you carry five starters too. Cause yes, I agree. Yeah. You just, you carry so that's what fourteen pitchers. With nine relievers, five starters with Vince Velasquez in the reliever column. Yeah, wherever you well, know, maybe like, he's in the rotation based on injuries. I, I think you just you need five starting pitchers, and as of right now, you can make the case for nine guys in the bullpen. That helps everybody out. It helps it, it lessens the workload in the bullpen, less, lessens the workload on the starting pitchers, and that's probably the best way to manage this work this COVID workload. I don't know what the rules are right now. I haven't looked this up, but in terms of shipping guys back and forth, that's kind of the way you, you get around that is when you when you need that extra bullpen guy, you just change change him out for another guy, and, and it allows you to keep your deeper bench too. Um, so I don't. Yeah, and they have some optionality with guys like you know Romero has options and. 
you know, Coonrod has options. I mean, they could shuttle guys in and out if they had to. Right. All right. So let's uh, let's bring it on home with an observation, Bob, that you made right before we got on, which is that spring training, as it as it is this year, you're playing the same four teams over and over and over and over again. As someone with the Phillies said to me the other day, if I have to see Tigers reliever Buck Farmer one more time this spring. I feel like they see them every single time they play the Tigers. They're seeing a whole lot of the Tigers, the Blue Jays, the Yankees, and the Orioles. And, Bob, you noticed uh, they seem to be beating with regularity two of those teams and losing with regularity to the other two. 7-1-1 against the Pirates, Orioles, and Tigers. 1-7 and seven against the Blue Jays and Yankees, who, to me, resemble the the Mets and the Braves, and, and let's throw in the Nationals there, too, more than the other three teams that they've played. And there's also this. So the, the Phillies... You, well, you, you, don't have to be, you don't have to be that kind. You, you, can, say, you can say they've beaten they've beaten the teams that are not good, and they've lost to the teams that are good. Well, and, right? and, well let's not say they've just lost to them. So the Phillies' one win was against the Yankees, and they, they beat them up pretty good that day, although... I would argue it was, it was early, or much earlier in the spring, and the Yankees didn't really send their A team to Clearwater that day, and the Phillies beat them 15 to nothing. Since then, they've lost six straight to the Blue Jays and Yankees, and they've been outscored 39 to 10, and they've, you know, they've roughed up some of their starting pitchers in that, during that span too. Um, Gardner had a grand slam off Zach Wheeler. They, they, I guess it was the Blue Jays that knocked, uh, knock Nola around the other day and you know you look at the Blue Jays lineup and you I'm not sure the Blue Jays lineup is not better than the Yankees lineup it's, it's got so many good young hitters in it um but you know the, the question I'll throw back to you guys should that be a reason to be concerned and they they still have a lot of games left again I think they have eight against those two eight of the final however many there's left are against those two teams I'm going to say no they want the Phillies were like the spring training world champions last year, right? And they didn't make the playoffs. So I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not I'm the Yankees and Blue Jays are pretty good teams, so I wouldn't worry about it if I was a Phillies fan. I, I think you look at like you know how Aaron Nola got roughed up. Well, why? What, what was he doing? What was he? What was he working on? Or, or what? You know, what was the reason why there? And then Zach Wheeler. Gives up a grand slam in New York. I mean, in Tampa against the Yankees. But then, how's he look the next time out? And then he explains why he, he was, you know, out of alignment in Tampa. So, I just think wins and losses in spring training. It, it's interesting that they're getting beat up by the two best teams they play, and they're beating up on the, you know, the subpar teams. Three teams that are gonna, three teams that are going to finish last, probably. <laughs> yeah, but it's just like I don't know. It's like does that. What is that? Who's who's having the effect in those games? Who's coming in late in the game? Guys that aren't, you know, pitchers that are in mini camp and they're giving up home runs. I just, yeah, I let don't me ask, be worried. Bob, let me let me ask you this. I don't look this up, please. But like, how many of those Yankees and Blue Jays games have been on the road for the Phillies? Like, have more of those games been in Tampa and Dunedin? Because if they are, then obviously you're facing uh, more regular players on those teams than you would be if you were going 
if they were coming to Clearwater. So, so many different crazy variables that go into spring training lineups and games. I'm going to say it doesn't matter, but I'm not totally – I have no idea. Well, that, that's why I think the, the next two weeks are interesting because they still play these teams quite a bit, and it's not going to matter whether you're on the road or home. Uh, sure. You know, to, to Matt's point, you really look at the first uh, five or six innings of those games, um, and, you know, to, to go against this point in the five or six innings, the Phillies have not scored in those games either. I think they've scored one, two, three, four, four runs, six runs in those games. Except for the other day, they scored a bunch of innings late with their reserves in against the Blue Jays. Uh, so they haven't swung the bats well against some of the better pitchers they, they've seen, too. But to your point... Season's over. What's that? No, I'll, over. I'll, 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 throw, I'll, I'll throw this out there. The 2008 Phillies went 10-18 and 18 in spring training. So, there you, it, go. you know, it, sometimes it means something, sometimes it doesn't. I'll give you this, just to bring it back full circle. Scott Kingery is 3-for-27 in spring training, right? And the hardest hit ball he's hit was a double against Garrett Cole over the center fielder's head. What does that mean? Like Garrett Cole might be the best pitcher in baseball, and he tattooed a 100-mile-an-hour off-the-bat double over his head, and then he strikes out against everybody else. So I don't know what you make of anything you watch in spring training. Better luck next no, year. It's, it's true. The wise old scout said you don't believe anything you see in spring training or or from call-ups in September. Uh, hey, so, Bob, hey, Bob, while we're talking about stuff that may or may not matter, does it matter to you that they are not playing any National League East teams this spring, and the Nats, Mets, and uh, Marlins are playing each other all the time over on the East Coast? Does that matter? Is that a thing? Um, I, I think I'd rather be in the Phillies situation than, than the other situation where you, you get to see those guys all, all the time. Um, you know, I, I think I'd, I think I'd rather have, wait to wait to see my competition for when it matters. But I, but I'm not sure if it matters or not. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't no know. idea. What, does it really ever matter? You know, what, what matters? We'll I find out. We, we will. We will. We will find out. And you know what? As we decide what that, as we try to figure out what matters and what doesn't matter, you can read all about it at Inquire.com and. Uh, how's that for a segue? At Inquire.com and listen to the Extra Innings podcast and read the Extra Innings newsletter and pick up the uh, Philadelphia Inquirer or the Philadelphia Daily News or both, if you'd like, uh, wherever you pick up your newspapers. We'll have all the details of things that may or may not matter in the next 10 days before the season starts. Uh, and we will join you back here next week for another edition of the Extra Innings podcast. So for Bob and Matt, I'm Scott. See you next week.